0: Hey, welcome friends. Welcome everyone from the Exponential family. It is so good to be with you today for our very first episode of Healthy Rhythms for Healthy Leaders. Uh, It's a privilege to be your host for these episodes along with Winfield Bevins. Uh, I am a a pastor of Community Christian Church in Naperville, so I'm a practitioner uh, participating with you all in this conversation. Founder of Newground Network, where I've also coached pastors and denominational leaders. And so the weight of this topic of healthy rhythms for healthy leaders is something I'm passionate about, but I get to co-host this uh, with Dr. Winfield Bevins, and he is a a subject matter expert in this. He's an author and a teacher with a passion to help leaders thrive by promoting healthy rhythms that connect the spiritual and missional practices. Dr. Winfield Bevins is the director of church planting at Asbury Theological Seminary and co-founder of Mission formation coaching. As a seasoned practitioner, he's helped start several churches and nonprofit organizations, and he's trained leaders from around the world. He frequently speaks at conferences, churches, and seminaries on a variety of topics. In addition, his work as a teacher and a coach, he is the author of numerous books, including Ancient Ever, Ancient New, Uh, Marks of a Movement, and is the co-author of Healthy Rhythms for Thriving Leaders. It'll be coming out soon with Exponential. You can find out more about him at WinfieldBevins.com. Welcome, Winfield. It's so good to do this with you.
1: Gary, it's great to uh, be here with you, and we're excited. This is, I think, a real timely conversation for leaders not just in North America, but around the world. And so the next few weeks are are just going to be a really rich time. And so today, yeah, we're kicking it off. So very excited to be here. Glad to be co-hosting with you.
0: I have been thrilled to get to shape this with you. And just as we've prayerfully considered over the next six episodes, how do we want to engage such a necessary topic? And I know we have several different guests that will be joining us over the next few weeks. Before we introduce our special guest, though, I wonder if you would just share with us, why is this topic of healthy rhythms for thriving leaders important to you, Winfield? Why, why now?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I think it's it's always been a timely conversation. I mean, it's not just all of a sudden because of COVID and the pandemic, we should worry about the soul care and spiritual health of leaders. Um, you know, like you, I'm a practitioner. You know, I know I'm at a seminary and have a doctorate, but I'm a church planner. And, uh, have you know, my family and I, we've planted, you know, several churches. I've worked with church planners from around the world. Uh, this really became a, a very personal um, topic for me. Um, around 2005, um, there's, there was a, a church planner who had just gone multi-site uh, a few hours from us, same age. Um, a lot of kind of similar parallels. Um, came home one Sunday and committed suicide. And I just remember it just really shook me. How did the church um, fail him? Um, how did how did his local church? But how did the church fail him? And what was missing in his life? And that that really started me down a road of kind of just searching out um, and looking to kind of the wisdom of of the church. And one of the things that we see is when we kind of dig into the the history of the church that there are these rhythms and practices um, that have sustained healthy ministry throughout the ages. And so I think. Kind of bringing it back to the present um now more than ever um our rhythms have been ripped out um from under us you know people are having to kind of uh, re re renavigate kind of a new world and with all the challenges that we're facing um, one of the things that we're we're hearing is leaders are burning out at a very high rate um many people are using the language like this has been a year of transition um leaders kind of leaving the ministry And so what we really want to do through this series and just the heart that I have, and I think specifically this particular episode, we're going to be talking about what are some rhythms that you can establish that will help um, give you that foundation, that will help you care for your own soul. So you'll be able to navigate a challenging, changing world. So that's some of just kind of the heart um, that I bring to this topic. For me, it's a very personal issue. It's not just theory, but this is – I was coaching church planners yesterday. You know, we have a group of fellows that I work with. Um, I was on multiple calls with international leaders. This is an issue that leaders are facing around the world. And I think we really got to address it. So I'm I'm so thankful that Exponential has given us the opportunity to really kind of highlight this as something that's really needed in our
0: time. Absolutely. We uh, are invited to participate with God in just the most transformational mission in the world and the sustainability of that matters. And I know I have lost sleep in the last several weeks, just about that statistic from Gallup that 75% of pastors are trying to figure out sort of their exit plan from leading the church. And so what an opportunity to your point for us to reframe success for leaders, success for the church and what rhythms look like for long-term sustainability and longevity. I'm thrilled to dive into that conversation today with um, an incredible kingdom leader and also a friend with Mindy Calaguire. Uh, Mindy is the Soul Care president and co-founder. Mindy's co-founder and president of Soul Care, a spiritual formation ministry that exists to increase soul health in the body of Christ. She serves as an executive leadership at GLUE, uh, glue GLUE.US, and prior to that served as director of transformation ministry for the Willow Creek Association. Mindy speaks and advises organizations including Spire, Stadia Church Planting, Salvation Army, and Compassion International. Her books include stir spiritual transformation in relationships uh, becoming like Jesus discovering soul care uh, spiritual friendship soul searching and simplicity as well as write for your soul the whys and hows of journaling welcome Mindy it is so good to have you here with us today
2: Thank you, Carrie. Thanks so much. I think that's the first uh, and best part of a bio is to say that I was a friend. So thank you for saying that. Uh, I do. Uh, I've loved getting to know you more and more these last few years. And uh, same with Winfield. We had met uh, some time ago. So it's lovely to partner with you guys at the launch of this really important topic uh, with church leaders um, in, a, in a broad way, because uh, as you said, this has been a passion of mine for a long time. So glad to be here. Mindy, what if we start there? Give us just a little bit of the
0: background for you. I mean, you have helped shape these enormous ministries. I know you have a track record at Willow Creek. Like this is a a really important topic to you. Give us some why of why you care about soul care.
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's, uh, there's a sort of a, how I look at it in the world at large and, and what I think is at stake because so many leaders are living from really unsustainable places. And we can talk about that, but you know, for me, this really came out of my personal story as well. Many, many years ago, my husband and I were planting a church in Boston, and uh, it's not exactly the Bible Belt. Uh, it's a hard place to do a hard thing. Uh, and we brought, I brought into that my own sort of character weaknesses and and structural Uh, misunderstandings really about how life and leadership could work and suffered a a pretty severe um, season of some neurological symptoms that in effect uh, sidelined me for a a while and led me in a very uh, unintended journey because I didn't set out to learn about this stuff. Um, But God so graciously met me in that season of hardship and pain and struggle and led me to come to some pretty deep convictions about a different way, which is very ancient. It's nothing new, uh, but it was new to me and uh, took some, uh, if I could say, some courage, although I don't think it felt courageous at the time. I felt like I really didn't have any choice. Um, And grateful for that in hindsight. Um, some of you guys may know of the book, uh, Sheldon Ben-Aukens, A Severe Mercy. And that's what that season felt like in hindsight for me. It was severe. It was painful. I wouldn't have wished it on anyone else, but it was a mercy in that it introduced me to what I have come to believe is exactly how God wants us to live in leadership, uh, living out of that overflow of a healthy soul. But um, anyway, that's my, my passion emerged there. The healthier I got, God kept uh, giving me opportunities to share that message with other people and always uh, seemed to gravitate toward the leadership conversation and have become convinced that the relative unhealth that was existing pretty, pretty not very far below the surface. Like in private conversations, you guys would know, everybody would know, you know, you'll get leaders talking in private ways about what wasn't working Um mm-hmm. But the show must go on, right? The veneer, everything everything still needs to look like it's still together and working. And uh, this past year has sort of exposed the deep on health and worsened it with mm. fear and political unrest and divisive, you know, anger and so many different things uh, and, and severe losses on, on almost every front. And so now the need is massive uh, and urgent. Yeah. the I keep going back to this last
0: season. It's not that many of these challenges are new. It's that they're freshly illuminated for us, right? And to Wendell, Winfield's point, so much of what sustained us before for good or for bad, those rhythms have been stripped away. And so this is a moment in time for us to really pursue a healthier way forward. Uh, I would love to begin actually with both of you, how do, how do we define soul care? I know we can say that as a term and maybe people may have a different lens or perspective on that. But what do you mean when you talk about the idea of soul care?
2: I'll defer to the PhD. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you've written
1: the books, Mindy. Um,
2: <laughs>
0: Touché. Touché. <laughs> that would be really fun uh, to hear from both of you,
2: even if they're varying. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would. I, I uh, can.
0: Uh,
1: oh, you yeah. Ahead. You go first. But no, do you? go first? All
2: Please. the all the uh, deferential uh, people on a call together. All right. I'll offer two thoughts. Um, one anchors more actually to the history of the term in the church, and I hope you'll explain expand perhaps more on this. But uh, the, the study I've done is that it was often historically in the church thought of as the care that is given to a soul, to another person. And so soul care was maybe the practices of spiritual direction or something thought of from the perspective of the director, how am I caring for someone else's soul? And it was often in the context of thinking about soul care and soul cure. And the idea that souls are being healed gradually, that salvation and healing, you know, basically the same word in the Greek. And so soul care and soul cure uh, were two uh, phrases that we'll see in the history of the church. Um, And I, Obviously, you don't argue with the weight of history, and and I don't argue at all. But my my introduction to the concept really emerged more from sort of the way I started to think about the intentionality I was bringing to nurturing and protecting my relationship with God. And that had become, as many leaders find, sort of perfunctory and regimented and had lost any sense of uh, what was life giving to me and sustaining to me and so i began thinking of soul cares the things i needed to do to care for my soul to put my soul in the place of receiving from god moment by moment day by day and so what were those structures what were the rhythms the practices the relationships that supported me living from a place of soul health Mm -hmm. um So that's how that's how I define it now is what is the intentionality that I bring. But obviously, I honor and appreciate the history of the term as well.
1: I think that's a a great introduction. Yeah, there's this historic precedence, you know, as many mentioned of kind of the cure of souls. And again, as you kind of dig into kind of some early Christian views, you have this idea of the therapeutic nature that's often forgotten in kind of more contemporary, modern—you know—we focus on the sermon, we focus on kind of uh, you know kind of intellectual knowledge or passing of information, whereas earlier, more ancient Christians often thought in terms of inner transformation. And I, I, I kind of think of soul care as referring to tending to the inner spiritual life of a leader. Um, you know, oftentimes leaders, especially in our modern world, I think one of the dysfunctions is you by almost by uh, virtue of by what we do, by doing so much outwardly focusing stuff, um, we focus externally at the expense oftentimes of the inner um, kind of soul you know this the soul and so uh you know dallas willard defines you know the soul is defined as 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 the hidden or spiritual um side of a person it's what it's kind of this inner kind of part of us and soul care is 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 looking inwardly and saying what what happens on the inside of our soul caring for that matters and it matters deeply and as often i and i feel like Leaders need more than ever before, really need to be reminded of that. And um, yeah, so great. Yeah, I think this is such an important conversation. Thank you, Mindy.
2: I would love, Paul, and I I like the points you brought up as well. I I would um, add for anyone who wants to understand more of how Dallas Willard talked about or wrote about the soul. Um, he's obviously written tons of great stuff, but renovation of the heart was I thought of as almost like a Gray's anatomy of the soul, yeah, because it was kind of like not the television show, but like the the anatomy book, the the structural way to understand the dimensions of personhood, the way the soul has been created by God, how we're created in God's image, and, as you said, Winfield, how it is, how it is in this process of becoming, of being transformed, and what are the things that support that process, and how can we be intentional and cooperate with God in that process?
1: You know, um, that really is kind of like the textbook. I mean, yeah, Dallas Wheeler is kind of like the guru here. You know, he uses language of we're we're kind of cultivating, we're partnering with God um, to kind of do that inner work. It's not just what we do, but we're collaborating, we're partnering um with with grace in in that work
2: yep yep yep
0: that phrase stuck out to me, Winfield, and I would guess anyone who's listening right now—a pastor, a ministry leader, an elder—do we focus on the external work at the expense of the internal work? And now, in my own journey, prioritizing my own time, prioritizing my own connection to God, prioritizing the rhythms with which I need to live, so that the internal work takes focus—it's more challenging than ever, uh, just because of the demands right now. My kids are learning at home. I'm working from home, the demands to pastor people through the challenges of this particular moment are higher than ever before. Uh, talk to us a bit about just the what healthy rhythms have looked like for each of you as leaders, as you're charged with the kind of influence that you each carry. How have you engaged in healthy rhythms personally?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. You know, in some ways, you know, as I speak with church planners and leaders, like All of us. And again, this, what's fascinating about this moment is this is, this is a global moment. This is happening for leaders all around the world are are dealing with this. Um, And the rhythms that we had um, a year ago, it's, it's almost like, you know, we write in the introduction, my uh, friend Mark Dunwoody, he's, he's a leader in Ireland, and we've kind of been doing this work together for the past few years. And, In the introduction, we call it finding a new beach. And I I lived on an island for 10 years. And it's kind of like when a storm comes through, um, if you've ever been to the Outer Banks, that's where all the hurricanes go on the East Coast. And we lived there. It was a beautiful uh, natural beach, but it was a very violent beach at times. And storms, hurricanes have come through. And when a storm comes through, oftentimes it'll create a new beach. It will literally just kind of level everything and there will be kind of a a whole new landscape. And um, with that is there's trauma, there's challenge in responding to that. And, and, but there's also hope and opportunity for, for new things and new horizons and new beaches. And so I think, I think the big thing for a lot of us is we've had to relearn rhythms um, and, and so, you know, one planter told me a few weeks ago, he said, you know, I get up in the morning, tell my kids goodbye, daddy's got to go to work. I drive down the road, turn around and come back home and go work in our bedroom all day long, you know, on zoom. And for him, that's a new rhythm. And so kind of finding these new rhythms, um, you know, in, in the, in the midst of all of this, uh, one personal practice that, um, that I have really kind of rediscovered is um just walking you know throughout the day I'll pause you know um take a break you know uh, it, on top of like just practicing regular spiritual disciplines of prayer the word silence you know community mm-hmm. connecting with others on zoom and everything um it, it's so easy to just get kind of get stuck on our screens and one practice i've had to be very intentional about is taking time to pause throughout the day to get outside, get out of my house, my office, wherever I'm working from, get off the computer, and to just walk and to reflect. And, and, and walking and prayerful walking is, is actually another ancient practice. And um, there, was a, there was a documentary that um, N.T. Wright spoke at um, that, that came out a while back where he talked about, he used this phrase that really stuck with me. He says, slowing down to catch up with God that Jesus, if we think about it, he walked everywhere he went in ministry. And I think in this season, somehow as busy leaders with their busy lives, we've got to find time to pause so we can slow down and catch up with what God's doing in our lives. So walking, something as simple as walking has for me just been a profound, getting outside, breathing fresh air has just been a profound lifesaver for me. Mm
2: -hmm. Those are good. I like thinking of that as, a, as an ancient practice that I can enter into when I walk. Um, for me, I, I would say a similar thing in that the, the core practices that have held me for many, many years at this point that came out of that season and, and have just continued, uh, some of them being, uh, as Winfield said, silence for me, silent prayer, holding space for that, um, usually early in the mornings. Those things, uh, thankfully, uh, were able to, uh, they weren't, nothing of this past year's events caused those to be taken away. And so they have continued to support for me, the the sense of um, availability and intimacy and awareness uh, in my relationship with God and, and others. So that has been good. But in terms of something new that uh, that is actually a current edge of my learning and exploration, and I don't think this is an ancient practice at all. Uh, It has to do with eliminating uh, a lot of the notifications off of my cell phone and making some different rhythms with how I interact with technology. And that has been something that's been super intentional. I would say the last four to five months of this year had particular challenges for me that were emerging from various domains that even the first six months of the pandemic had not ha- surfaced and so um, it was I, I think through that time I found myself like neck you know binging the next series on Netflix till <laughs> two in the morning and I'm thinking this is not good <laughs> something's not right here and uh, and and so I started noticing um, my mental, patterns as it related to some of the urgency I felt with professional commitments and interpersonal crises, etc. And I, I needed to do a clean sweep of a lot of that stuff. Um, gosh, I want to say in November timeframe, maybe mid-November based on some things I had uh, read and listened to and studied and uh, and super helpful, super helpful um, rhythm. I can report to you that uh, it is, I feel like I'm being more intentional with my mind and loving God with my mind. And um, so anyway, to be determined, you know, it's a sort of a work in progress, but I, I want to learn more about this because I think it's part of who we are is we're created to function in a certain way. And how do we, how do we live uh, out that, that way? Um, patterns of sleep, patterns of waking patterns of all that stuff. So for mm-hmm. me, that's been a, a current one, Carrie, but the silence engaging with scripture times with community as as you said, those are all things that um, have held me through many more personal crises and and continue to hold me and, and God's people, I think, during a time like this.
0: Yeah. I want to get really practical um, and just hear your perspective on, you know, the busyness and sometimes the things that prevent us from entering into these kind of rhythms. And I just have to say, Mindy, like I'm a little bit jealous hearing you say you didn't have to change a lot of those things, uh, the the rhythms. I feel like in this moment and it's probably the age of my children, I I had to change everything. And I, I mm-hmm. most people I'm in conversations with, um, there, there's a bit of a bit of revealing or illuminating of what they went to in times of crisis or stress, and that's good or bad. Mm-hmm. Whether that's drinking or numbing out, social media, or whether that was. Yep. You know, for me it was going to Pilates and it was breathing practices and just access to things that I had before, even the way I worked my schedule, all of that had to change. I had to start waking up before the sun came up. And, you know, but I remember distinctly like, I'm I'm gonna make a choice to either go back to the way I used to live when busyness ruled, or I'm gonna reorient things to continue to engage in these practices. And I don't get it right all the time by any means, but I wonder what are the things sometimes like what do you do? when you engage in these practices, if you're able to set busyness as an idol aside and pursue healthy rhythms, what are the things, what do you do with what you find underneath that? Whether you've been running from something or, you know, once you you create the rhythm, what do you do yeah. with that? yeah
2: Car- Yeah, I, if I could jump on that, Carrie, I think what I would say is um, my, <laughs> I haven't been to Pilates in way too long, so I'm with you on that. But... Uh, the rhythms that I'm talking about that I didn't really have to change uh, were things that had been established uh, again in other versions of personal crises, which usually did involve do involve getting up before the sun, um, and again not in some legalistic or rigid way, but to to get in front of my day. With my intentionality to to be with God in a relaxed fashion, not a I got to check a quiet time off the box. I mean, that's like God doesn't need that. <laughs> in my family growing up, we called we had a thing called forced family fun. It was well, the kids called it that. I'm the oldest of seven kids, and so the the joke was when mom and dad, you know, we had forced family fun. And I think a lot of people that you're you know quiet time, especially in ministry, it's your work, it's everything, and so it can feel like forced family fun and. I don't think God is necessarily, you know, delighted by that. Not that he's angry with us, but it's like it's like when you go out on a date night with a spouse who's only doing it because they said they would and they don't really want to be there with you. And how I I came to a point again early on in this process of going I need to bring I need to bring some sort of intentionality and willingness to this, but I thought I need I need to bring to my times with God's what I called intentional, um, not intentional. It was like this disciplined authenticity, mm-hmm. and it's like if I really don't want to be sitting on my couch having a cup of coffee and trying to pray, then I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do forced family fun with God. I don't think that serves anybody. And so it allowed me to move to a place of greater authenticity in my way of being with God and, and not move forward in pretense even there. And I, and that was a learning for me. I I was doing everything because I thought I should, and to do something because I wanted to was like a whole different gear. So I would say that early morning silence uh, without The noise of the kids without the noise of other responsibilities uh, has been vital and choosing that even when I could be finishing a report or finishing another thing like, no, I I have got to anchor here if I'm going to have anything to give to anything else that matters to me. And the other thing I would say, and this relates to the other part of what you're saying, is journaling. Um, for some people, they hate it. I get it. But for me, and for many, um, there is great value in sort of the non-judgmental, open page of a journal that invites the kind of self-awareness and reflection on what are those inner things. What am I running from? What? How am I eating my emotions today? How, I mean, just getting into the real stuff of what what is really going on between me and another person, me and God, me and my own sense of self or identity. And I mean, my journals will never be something that anyone wants to publish. They're just me processing with God the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think that helps me bring that awareness. It is a form of examen in a way. You're sort of saying what's going on in my interior world and how do I bring it toward God for his illumination, healing, guidance, etc. cetera. And those practices uh, you know, have were able we're not terribly disrupted by by where we've where we've been. And I do think, like I I tell leaders sometimes, you know, it's like, here, if you want to care for your soul, I know you think you don't have time, but trust me, you don't have time not to do this because your soul's well-being is driving everything that matters for you. Mm -hmm. Whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, your soul's well-being is driving everything. It's the, the thing that integrates all the dimensions of your personhood. And if you care about your calling, if you care about what you're Being challenged by God to bring into the world, then as a matter of first importance, not as a luxury if everything else gets done, as a matter of first importance, you must rest your soul in God's presence. You must receive, you must experience joy and peace and love as a gift to you that you can then bring to others, which sounds so inaccessible often with those pressures and demands of leadership that you're talking about, right?
0: that disciplined authenticity to name that and to share God, share that with God and invite him into that. Like that's a brilliant first step for anyone who's listening and saying what you are saying sounds awesome, Mindy, but I just don't know, you know how to pursue that. Um, Winfield, what would you add to that? How are you coaching leaders right now more than ever? And I know it's not necessarily new, but how are you coaching leaders uh, towards pursuing healthy rhythms?
1: Yeah. I, well, I, I love what, Kind of what I'm hearing from Mindy, I think this is an important thing we want to say is when we're talking about. I like the language of rhythms versus rules, and a lot of us that maybe have come from evangelical or kind of free church background, we we you know, we, you know, we we we've struggled with rules and rules of religion. This is not what we're talking about, and so I love that, and that we need to be reminded that this really comes out of a heart and a passion for God. And um, this idea of rhythms versus rules, rhythms, like we have rhythms and habits um, that form our day, you know, uh, now, again, one of the challenges there some days I'm like, you know, did I brush my teeth today? <laughs> did I, you, know, uh, you know, there's, there's all sorts of, you know, we're having to learn new things here. But I, I, I like to emphasize that we're talking about establishing healthy rhythms that will help you. Um, and again, connecting, I think the you know so much of coaching and i'd love to i want to hear more here in a few minutes about kind of what mindy's doing in terms of leadership coaching and I, i've been fascinated just kind of seeing you know her soul care ministry and kind of kind of stalking her website and seeing some of the different and <laughs> as i'm wanting to pick her brain and just kind of learn from her on, on this but you know for us a lot of what we're doing is connecting kind of spiritual rhythms with missional rhythms and oftentimes, coaching, traditional leadership coaching kind of focuses on the success as like the external, uh, the outward things that we do, you know, planning, stri- you know, strategy. You know, you know, all these different things that are kind of more <laughs> outwardly focused, how to conduct a meeting, how to raise up leaders, how to do all these other things. Uh, but when we really look at the scriptures, we see Jesus, you know, his disciples, you know, in, in, in Mark 6, had come back. Um, and they re- it says they report all the stuff that they've done. They were so excited. And Jesus says, hey, come away with me and let's find a deserted place. And then there's something in the text that says that there was so much going on that they were too busy to eat. And I think that's a, a parable for us of leadership. Jesus is inviting us to get in the boat with him and to go and find a place of solitude. And he takes his leaders there. And so in terms of like maybe leaders that are listening here, is you know I tell leaders it really begins with you. You know, as Mindy mentioned that literally what, what we don't really realize is is that if our soul isn't healthy, it, it affects for good or bad everything that we do as leaders. And so it begins with us. And then I you know what what I'm what I'm doing is is connecting kind of the the spiritual formation and the spiritual direction with kind of leadership coaching practices because we're not just um, Focusing on uh, training people to be successful numerically, but if unless it's uh, unless they experience this inner transformation first, unless they're doing out of place of health, and then they're able to replicate that in others, because that's what leadership is—we replicate, um, we reproduce in others um, who we are ourselves, and so that's where getting back to that healthy place I think is essential. So, kind of all I, I use terms of holistic, integral discipleship and formation connecting spiritual practices and missional practices, I think are kind of some of the essential things we focus on.
0: I love that integrated approach to leadership and to discipleship. That's not outcomes focused, like here's what success looks like and here's going to get you there, but that, that begins inside first. Mindy share with us a little bit about what that coaching through soul care looks like as you are engaging.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to, I'm delighted to, um, let me back up and say a little bit about why Soul Care ended up moving towards spiritual direction and coaching services. Um, for now many years, I've worked with large organizations where I my day-to-day work is helping create systems and structures and build stuff, right? And that's And that's my joy. I've benefited from the services of directors and not professional coaches, but friends who serve as coaches for me, lots of different ways. Um, but I, I really want to help see a, a sea change in the soul health of the body of Christ, right? As you heard, as I said at the beginning, and I really believe that has to start with leaders. And or I, I hope that it will, I, I think it's yet to be seen whether leaders will actually take up this challenge. But I hope that God's, because pe- otherwise the disruption is going to come from somewhere else. So I really hope leaders in the church heed this call while there's still time. But the the reality is, I believe in order for leaders, us to get well, we need people who are walking deeply with us. We need those counselors, spiritual directors, coaches, we need not, you don't need to hear even on a webinar. Like I'm hoping people are benefited by this webinar, but what they really need is someone who's walking with them, who knows and is going through the highs and lows and has learned how to attend to that person's well-being and vision for their life. And so that's not my calling, but I realized I'm surrounded by, including my husband is a leadership coach, but of many friends who are directors, coaches, that kind of stuff. And so Jeff, my husband, worked to develop a, a layer of soul care coaching methodology that would sit as an additional training for coaches who have been trained through one of the other many organizations, including his own. And the point of view we have is that all of those great missional objectives, all the great goals that you're called to, those are important. Those God has put you with a certain set of gifts and a calling. And we care that that gets fulfilled in a timely way with good resources, like in ways that don't suck the very life out of you. And so that's where the soul care piece comes in is that it just exactly as Winfield is saying, and he and I are going to talk later about how our different um, sort of ideas emerged and where we have common ground, because I expect there's quite a bit. What What we have said is, how do we have as the methodology of soul care coaching, be something that from the get-go is acknowledging that everything on the, and other friends of mine use this term, everything on the front stage of your life, your achievements, your accomplishments, everything is really driven by what's going on on the backstage. And we're so used to applauding and gravitating toward what's going on on the front stage. But if you don't attend to what's going on on the backstage, uh, the the headlines are too full already of what happens when there's not the right relationship between what's going on behind the scenes and what's going on out in public. So that's what, that's what our soul care coaches have all been trained on and and they walk with people uh, through the real stuff of their vision, their calling, their, what resources do they have at hand? How do they start having accountability and encouragement and Ongoing reinforcement reminder, prayerful even, that with you for all these big successes and, and even career transitions or whatever, but let's always bear in mind that where this is coming from is a place of health, and how can we help you on both fronts?
0: So good. It's so good. Uh,
2: I want to great. See- <laughs> it, has, it has. It's been so great to be able to introduce a, a more specifically spiritually grounded form of coaching. I think coaching, one of the phrases that my husband says often is that uh, that, that coaches are becoming in some ways the, the next spiritual leaders. And yeah. I think other t- people are using that term as well. Mm-hmm. And w- we're just done with mass production of things we need very nurturing, more intimate, more real places to have the rubber meet the road between my actual life and what I'm actually doing and how I'm growing and how my relationships are doing so that we bring a healthier self uh, out into the things that we're called to.
1: Yeah, I, I would just add that, you know, I think, really what's missing in, in the multiplication and the missional conversation is exactly this. And what we what leaders really need in this moment is an integral, holistic um, leadership formation that connects the spiritual formation, the soul care with with all the other stuff. Um, and it's not the either or. And I think that's the things for the last several decades, We focused on the externals. And I think um, COVID has accelerated everything. And I think the spotlight is being put back on um, kind of the inner life of a leader. So I love that. I'm so thankful for what you all are doing and excited to learn more, Mindy.
2: Yeah, likewise. Carrie, thanks for bringing us together. This is awesome. Yes. (laughs) And we get to do this with a bunch of other friends. So this is fantastic.
1: That's so what Exponential a- does.
0: Yes, absolutely. We're all a part of that family. I know anyone yeah. who is a part of that family that's tuning in, if you have questions, I want to encourage you to drop them in yep. the chat to try to get to some of those. I have more. And I know over the next several weeks, we have a lineup of people who have um, practices or a story. We're going to be joined by Judd Wilhite on January 28th as he talks about his near burnout experience. And he is a leader of high influence, a leader of high caliber, um, is responsible for a lot, but his own inner journey of having to say, I can't do this if it's not sustainable. And so, this intersection you guys are talking about, I know, gets at the heart of the weight so many pastors are feeling right now and are wrestling with right now. I wonder if you could paint a picture for us of the future future of what churches look like of what church leadership looks like of what the life of a leader could entail if they were to actually embrace and engage healthier more sustainable rhythms of leadership and soul care
1: wow that's that's a big picture to paint this is this is a good opportunity i think um i think for me you know especially in the midst of everything we've gone through this past year um you know, leaders feel like they have to respond and they have to react to everything, everything that's said, Twitter and um, like Mindy, one of the practices as she was talking, I was thinking, my, our entire family, I've I've stopped watching the news. And what I'll do is once a day, I'll just check online. I'll just look at what's happening online. So I'm aware, but I'm not watching any live news. So I'm not like because it, it causes you to want to react. Um, I've had to limit Um, social media i've had to you know my wife has child locks on my phone (laughs) like we we know we hold each other accountable the phones are our screens are all up at night at a certain time and and again I, i feel like leaders feel like they have to respond to everything and react to everything and i think it's actually a season where the lord wants us to reflect and to go deep. And that's where some of these rhythms of, you know, I call it kind of recovering the art of spiritual reflection. And we'll, we'll talk here at the end about, you know, the daily examine as, as a practice that, that leaders on this call could actually just begin to uh, practice reflection at the end of each day to reflect on what's going on in their life, the world, their family. Um, and so for me, I think the future of leadership has to uh, be more Contemplative leaders that are um, leading out of a deep place of prayer and spiritual formation, and leaders that aren't responding and reacting as much as they are reflecting deeply on what's happening. And there's a whole uh, there's a whole framework for this that comes out of what's called practical theology, not the not to bore you with like theological terminology, but there's a whole system of thought around how to reflect deeply on the practices of ministry, where we step back and pause and say and ask questions like what, what is God doing in my life? What is God doing in my family? What is God doing in my church or maybe you're maybe you're a Christian business leader and you're watching this and, and, and this the, the, this art of reflection, reflective leadership, um, I think is one of the most critical, things that the world needs right now is that leaders that are able to respond when they do speak, it comes out of a place of prayer. It comes out of a place of reflection rather than just saying whatever comes to mind or shooting off a tweet and then, you know, having to, having to have it pulled down later or, you know, so, so we're, we're responding out of a deep place of reflection and prayer rather than just in the moment. And so I think that's reflective leadership, contemplative leadership, I think are, are essential as we kind of look to the future of these things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Mindy,
0: what would you add to that? When you, Anyone listening who's exciting, are they going to tune in? Are they going to take hold of what you're telling us about? Let's paint that picture.
2: I hope you will. I hope you will because it, it, part of the outflowing, I think, of that reflective leadership that that Winfield's talking about is that I think we have before us one of the biggest opportunities for innovation and and healthy disruption to the way we've done church. I I would say in the last 20 years where especially the last 10 to 15 years where I've had a lot of conversations with senior leaders about the challenge to discipleship. Every church Every ministry leader has usually gone into vocational ministry because of their passion for the Great Commission, right? We care about evangelism. We care about discipleship. We care about all these things. And we get sort of put on a like a conveyor belt. Uh, you go to seminary, and then then we train you to do this, and you do this, and then you become this at the church, and then the, the track record is this. And there's really not it, it, it sort of only goes to one thing. The thing is what the North American church sort of more or less now looks like or aspires to look like if they don't sort of hit it yet, that everybody knows what you're trying to become or we were. And, and yet in private conversations, many people would acknowledge, I don't think we're actually doing discipleship, or we say that our preaching is what's discipling people, but we all kind of know that's not really the case. I hope I'm not offending anyone terribly right now. But I think we, we don't have to look too far, even with some of the current issues of our, our nation right now, and go, yeah. is, this a, is, this a, is this a monstrosity of, of goodness that people who have been shaped into the character of Jesus is now showing up in our world? I don't think that's how Christians are being experienced in our culture right now. And so, do we want more of what has largely marked the methodology of ministry for the past 50, 100 years? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the what it could be or should be per se, but I have a dream that not only is it more reflective for the leaders themselves and it's coming out of what they are hearing and experiencing and it's it's an overflow they are serving the overflow of what god is doing in their own life i would love that to be the case for every single person in vocational ministry but i also think we won't be able to hear the still small voice that's gonna guide us into new forms into new ways into new thoughts and if we're doing it from a place of striving and achievement and comparing ourselves to the one down the street it it won't we won't I don't think we have the creative capacities we won't have the courage to do it one of my favorite things you were talking about Jesus' example one of my favorite um, examples of him uh, leading I believe from this example to us comes in in mark 1 you know the gospel of Mark is written with such you know immediately this and then this and the whole chapter one like covers I don't know the first half of Luke or something. It's just crazy how fast Mark one moves, but in it, Jesus goes through like, I think healing a bunch of people and some other big miracle. And then it says he goes away by himself to pray and the disciples come after him because the whole town knows he's there and they all want to be healed. So they're bringing people, et cetera, et cetera. And the, they come to him and you can almost hear, I think it's Peter's voice who's saying, you know, hey, you, you, you got to get back. Everybody's waiting for you to do the thing you do. Like we got a crowd. This is good. And Jesus says, no, he says, no, we're going to go to these other cities for this is why I have come. Yeah. And it always struck me it's like well what about all the people that are sitting at the house writing they carried their loved one for miles to have Jesus feed him and he's up on a hillside deciding to go somewhere else What does that tell us about leadership and to me it tells us many things but one one is that Jesus i believe received in that solitude the thing that every single leader needs which is clarity What is it that I'm supposed to do Not respond to the demands, but what is it that I'm called to do and the fierce resolve to go do that no matter who is making claims on your time otherwise or accusing you of things or whatever. And every leader needs that. We need clarity from God, not from everybody around us. We need clarity from God and we need from God the resolve, the courage to walk in that way. Um, so those are the things I imagine for a future of, of leaders who really embody the love, the joy, the peace, the patience. It's not contrived joy. It's not forced joy. It's, it's flowing. It's emerging out of a healthy soul. That's what I hope for. And I hope wildly cool, fun, never heard of ideas and strategies and mm. all those things come from a place of health. I think that's what our world needs. That kind of
0: uh, creativity and courage and self-assurance in the Lord is the only way those things will be produced. When we're rooted and grounded and living and leading from that place, not looking for approval, not looking for affirmation from anyone except from God. And that means going before him to receive that regularly. It's very powerful. And we're not
1: talking about an either or here. So I, I can see some people saying, hey, you know. You know, you're talking about going into a monastery and closing yourself off from the world. Exactly what many just shared. When we look at the life of Jesus, there are these incredible verses that are often overlooked um, because we focus oftentimes on the miracles. That's what we do. We look at, oh, he fed the 5,000. But right before that, he was in the deserted place and his disciples had to go looking for him. And so really, I think what we're kind of saying here today is it's this you know, I, you know, I talk about it in, in kind of one of these chapters around this idea of spiritual breathing. We're inhaling God's presence in prayer and worship and through the disciplines allow us to be filled with, with God so that we can exhale and go back out into the world and mission. We're not being anti-missional. We're not saying don't engage in ministry. We're talking about healthy ministry. So there's these, these healthy rhythms of ebb and flow. The tides come in and the tides roll back out.
2: I'm glad you mentioned the intimacy with God as well, because sometimes uh, I think it can also seem like all these practices and rhythms are just means to an end. It's just a different way to be more efficient and effective. And I I think, part for, I'll speak for myself, for me in that season, uh, I... I had become convinced that I was like on this ledge of everything I had known of how to work hard, how to achieve, how to do. And now I just was doing it with God's stuff instead of academics or business. It was now you achieve with God's stuff because that's what you're supposed to do. And I came to the point of believing that wasn't like God wasn't interested in using me. I would pray that every day. God use me. And it's like, no, we God isn't here to use you. He you're precious. He loves you. This is about love. This is about relationship. This is about entering into the, 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 the life of the Trinity and learning to let go of all the, what am I being strategic about? What am I being whatever? And I I felt at that time and have returned to this, but not very often. I felt like I had to take a swan dive off of that cliff and I had no idea what was down below. But I knew it was sort of like, they call it a burning platform. Like I knew I couldn't stay on this any longer. I knew that wasn't, there was no life there. And so I kind of took this leap, like head first, like, I don't know where is this going. I took this leap, but I remember like writing in my journal, like, I, I don't, I have no idea what is really down there. I can't go there anymore, but I am so done being strategic and intentional and harnessing my gifting and blah, 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 all that stuff. And it's like, I'm going to build as deep a relationship with God as I know how for its own sake. Mm-hmm. And he can do through me, whatever he jolly well pleases. I'm done caring. Mm-hmm. That is a really good place for a leader to be. Mm-hmm. And even let go of your leader title, who cares? How do you take a swan dive into the depth of the one who loves you so deeply? I mean, around Willow Creek, we always had that phrase, you know, that people matter to God. And it's like, well, guess what, pastor, so do you. Yeah. Anyway. You matter to God.
0: Totally. When I see this in the church, even with our staff, you know, how we're developing leaders on our teams, like we can quickly flip into if it's just harnessing somebody's gifts for a means to an end, that's actually objectification. That is not, Yeah. yeah. God does not want to objectify us or our gifts or our strengths or the wounds of our story for the sake of impact. He wants us to love us, irrespective of what those outcome-based things are. And that, that again, to your point, Wendell, that's not, or Winfield, that's not an either or, where it's no. with without outcomes, but that's not the actual goal. The goal is no. that be with God piece of it. Um, I know we're getting close to the end of our time, but I know we very specifically wanted to say, hey, if you're listening to this conversation, if you are feeling seen as we talk, mm-hmm. resonating with you. We want to give you a very practical next step each time we're together and we're together again on January 28th. We'll have Judd Wilhite joining us for that conversation and unpacking a bit of his story. But today, before we wrap up our time, we want to equip you with a rhythm that you can take on as a listener, even in this next week. And I know um, Dr. Winfield Bevins is going to unpack this one for us. For me personally, I should be embarrassed to tell you this, but the, the daily exam and prayer for me was one of the most transformational spiritual practices for me in that. Yeah. <laughs> It caused me to face my darkness more. It caused me to see ways that God was working around me, or ways that I missed getting in step with His Spirit in a meeting or in a conversation. Um, it brought me to repentance, maybe more than any other practice in my own life. And so, just for me, this has been a really powerful practice. And we are excited to equip all of you as listeners to be able to, starting today, at the end of your day, engage in a new rhythm, in a new practice, as we head out on this journey together. So, uh, when would you unpack for us the the practice this week? We want to equip people with.
1: Absolutely, um, just real briefly. There's there's what's known as the daily examine. Um, Saint Ignatius of Loyal kind of is kind of attributed as kind of uh, creating just a simple framework um, that can be adapted to anyone anywhere in the world. Um, you know, I, I just kind of use the language of. This is an, it's, it's developing the art of spiritual reflection in a non-reflective world. Um, and as Carrie said, this gives you space to kind of allow God to kind of put, put the spotlight on what's going on on the inside and on the outside. Um, and so typically this is a daily practice. Um, I've adapted this kind of in our coaching model That this is kind of what we use um, kind of through coaching rhythms is kind of a similar model that begins with prayer, kind of reviewing, reflecting, and then responding. And so um, what I've done is I've kind of narrowed it down, and we're going to email this out to everyone um, who has kind of shared your email with us. And we're going to be kind of sharing a practice each time we gather. And so essentially it begins with, with prayer, welcoming the Holy Spirit, welcoming God to just come in. And, um, I'm going to call that recentering at the end of the day, we've had a busy day. We've done all of this stuff. And at the end of the day, you just carve out time to sit and be with God could be in a closet. It could be, um, literally I have created a closet (laughs) in my house to go get alone with God. And, um, it's a powerful way to do it. So wherever that place is for you, find a place to recenter, um, invite the Holy spirit to come, um, to be with you to guide you in the session, and then ask the Lord to be with you as you review the day. Review what's happened. Um, what are the key things—good, um, bad? What you know? What what happened throughout that day? Um, three. There's uh, a time to reflect on what happened, and part of this reflection is again, um, what happened that was good, but what happened that was bad. Were there things that you maybe did during the day that you need to repent of, or ask call someone um, the next day and ask for um, forgiveness, or maybe there's something that was wanting or lacking? Um, and oftentimes, what I've found is in these moments of centering, we're allowing God to examine us through through pausing and reflecting and recentering on Him, and that God will surface these little things and reveal to us things in our life that we need to resolve which is what I call the fourth point this is resolve what do you need to resolve how do you um, need to respond to God um, out of this meeting and so it's a meeting with God it's kind of like a, a daily appointment at the end of each day where we sit down with God and we invite God to come in and reveal to us um, things that are, are are left undone things that need to be done um, as we begin to um, look back to the next day and as Mindy said, keep a journal with you, keep a Bible. Um, this, is, this is an excellent way for, to just kind of create space for God to help you reflect on what He's doing in your life, your ministry, your family, and the world. Um, having time to just pause and process everything that's going on. It's very helpful. It's been very beneficial for me.
0: Same Winfield. It's been so helpful for me. And I'm really grateful that you're going to make these tools and resources available to us. I know this book that you've been on is preparing to enter into the world. And so we'll um, we'll be able to talk about that in future weeks, but that you're sharing these resources to equip our listeners, anyone listening, I would encourage you engage in this practice and just see over the next two weeks, how it could transform your experience, your intimacy with God, uh, your leadership. Mindy, it's been such a gift to have you on the show and to learn from you. Any final closing remarks, a challenge and inspiration
2: Thank you. Thank you. I'm, it's an honor to be with you. And I'm, again, so thrilled you're taking time, making time for this really important conversation with leaders. Uh, I just thought I would um, say two things. One is anyone that's interested, you know, you can find us at soulcare.com and learn more about what we're doing there. Um, but on the homepage is a quote from Dallas Willard that I thought I would read as a way to mm-hmm. wrap us up. Cause it's one of my favorite. It's a metaphor about the soul and I'm, I'm gonna sort of hear it read over you as also a, a blessing uh, for you as leaders. Dallas writes that our soul, your soul, friend, is like an inner stream of water, which gives strength, direction, and harmony to every other element of your life. When that stream is as it should be, when it's well cared for, we are constantly refreshed. You can live in your role constantly refreshed and exuberant in all you do, because your soul itself is profusely rooted in the vastness of God. Think about that for a minute. Your soul itself is profusely rooted, not like sort of connected, profusely rooted by virtue of Jesus, profusely rooted in the vastness of God, including nature, and all else within you is enlivened, and directed by that inner stream. So friends, I hope uh, this time is helpful for you to care for your soul and that you'll hear the hearts that Carrie and Winfield and I are bringing um, for the sake of uh, your own life and everything that God has for you. Um, Please care for your soul.
0: fantastic. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Winfield. Thank you everyone for tuning in and we will see you in two weeks on the 28th here on Thursday.
1: Thank you. Great to be with you. Thanks.